This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello and welcome to The Bunker Daily. I am your host, Alex Andreu. Richard Branson once said that a brand is like an artist's signature. Good brands reflect the group of people that made them. They cannot be copied. They cannot be recycled. It is perhaps no wonder then that when it came to Twitter, Elon Musk's instinct was to erase that group of people, to deface the previous artist's signature, to quite literally cross it off. My guest today heads the Psychology of Advertising Master's program at Lancaster University. He's here to help us understand whether the new mysterious X in our life is a sign of danger or marks the location of treasure. Welcome to a bunker, Leslie Hallam. Thanks, Alex. Leslie, can we start with something a little general? What are the reasons a company might choose to rebrand a product? I guess there are a number of potential reasons, uh, depending where the company is in its life cycle uh, and what's been happening in the uh, surrounding environment. In some cases, clearly the the company has outgrown its original um, manifestations and wants to maybe change direction or stretch the brand so it can incorporate new things. Um, Apple computers would be a good example. Uh, Originally, Apple computers limits it to computers. Apple allowed it to expand into a really big market in music and other environments, of course, phones. Um, So that's one um, commercial reason. And lots lots of brands have changed recently uh, in response to um, a greater sensitivity in in culture around the original brand names being somewhat racist or misogynistic. Um, A whole bunch of Football teams uh, in America have changed um, from anything from um, the, the, the Braves and the uh, Indians to more anodyne um, connotations. People are very sensitive about these things in, in society, and, and quite rightly, they, they people change their brands in order to reflect uh, societal values. Otherwise, they they left by the, the wayside. And setting aside an actual new brand name or logo or identity. So without making a value judgment on that, just on the process of doing it, are there good ways to rebrand and less good ways to do it? Well, it depends where where your brand is in the firmament. Um, I think perhaps what we we don't realize is that these things are happening all the time. They fly under the radar and people, only people who are devotees of the brand even notice them might pay an attention. When it's a major brand, when it's a controversial brand, uh, as with um, Twitter, and maybe a well-loved brand um, with lots of, of um, loyalists, uh, then people do notice, and it, it hits the media in a big way. 
people just kind of get on with it by and large and, and make small changes or change logos or, you know, actually change the, the entire brand uh, to maybe put a red line under where they've been in the past and the negative associations uh, that, that some brands have. Um, Comcast in America was a good example. Um, people really started to kind of uh, be worn down by them. They changed to um, Xfinity with some success, not entirely. Um, but, you know, if it's a big brand that everyone knows about and it hits the media, then, of course, you need to do different things. You need to placate people um, because people actually mourn the loss of these brands. They are important cultural artifacts uh, to many people. Again, ignoring the actual X and what that means and why that is, what do you think is the reason for Musk wanting to rebrand in the first place? And how smooth do you think this process has gone? Elon Musk has a, a reputation and a, an image in media. He is himself a brand with brand associations, one of them being a disruptor uh, of markets, one of them being a, a kind of um, a pioneer and a, I don't know, a, a buccaneer perhaps would be a better word. Um, so I think it plays to his brand uh, that he's doing this. Um, I, I suspect he's had this in mind right from way before um, there was any talk of, of purchase, given his history with the, the X uh, marks the spot with the brand, X core holdings, etc. And he's had uh, SpaceX. X is clearly important to Elon Musk. I can completely see the business case for, at this point, having kind of run it, not quite into the ground, but, you know, he's, he's um, caused some damage there um, <laughs> for, for whatever reason whether it's intentional or not, I suspect not entirely, but you know, there are some people that were perhaps not going to be core supporters of where he wanted to go with it. So he's cut some of those um, people away. And he's now in a position where, in a way, he's got nothing much to lose. If he carries on doing what he's doing with Twitter as a, a, a brand, he may just you know, sink it uh, right into the ground. So I can see it's, despite the competition um, being quite aggressive uh, and, and launching around him, in a sense, it's the commercially it's the right moment to do it, I think, and gives them the ability to bring it within the Elon Musk family, um, X uh, being the, the designator for a lot of his brands and his original brand, indeed, X.com. Yeah, that's what, what became, well, one half of what became PayPal, isn't it? So it's his very first big venture. Yeah, uh, it changed to PayPal uh, when he sold it. Uh, and, and he then retained or I think bought back the X.com uh, designator. So he's clearly very attached to this uh, as a, a brand. And I can see why. It's, it has a simplicity and it's, it's a, a, a nice set of semiology that surrounds it. Um, so it's got quite a lot going for it. The downside is that Twitter had a lot going for it as well. And people were very fond of that, uh, including the logo and the kind of slightly parochial um, I wouldn't say natural, but you know, kind of the, the idea of a bucolic uh, paradise with birds yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. singing in the background, etc. That was all part of the brand. I mean, to be honest, uh, a lot of people when Twitter first launched thought that was just nonsense. It was just a silly thing to have, uh, and, and people didn't like that either. So it's so easy to forget these things um, 10, 15 years hence. Um, but yeah, it, it had some real detractors when it first launched as being a bit trivial. Um, and it's it's found its way into our psyche over that period um, very effectively. Listen, you, you specialise on trying to quantify the unquantifiable in, in many ways, trying to glean the psychological effect of a brand and potential or existing uh, consumer. So I don't feel so bad asking you this imponderable 
What is Musk saying to Twitter users um, like me, who will always see myself uh, as a Twitter user? And what is he saying to potential ex-users out there? The reality that's driven him is that he, he needs to draw a line under where Twitter was very effectively. If he'd have carried on with Twitter, then yes, there's a, there's a, a core um, loyal fan base there who will keep going until the very end. But the real problem, I think, for him is that he's losing advertisers over that period too. Um, and that's the, the basis of the income uh, from the brand. He needs to do some major repairs. And, you know, you can maybe put sticking plasters over it and, and allow this um, controversial figure back on or not. Um, and that will polarise the market, get some people back involved, maybe not others. So reinvent it as a, a major platform, um, which champions, as he would say, free speech which seems to be his intention. I mean, that gives him enormous power owning a platform um, that, that has that uh, subriquet. Much greater than any newspapers where we're used to uh, thinking of having a swaying massive political power. Twitter has a huge um, amount of power available to Elon Musk. So I can see if that's where he wants to go with it. In a sense, he's got to say, well, look, we've done that. You understand what the, the um, entity is, what the, um, the process is. This is a new way of doing it, and that allows him to do things that he couldn't have done with Twitter, simply couldn't have done. And I think um, one of the things that he's talked about in the past has been developing it in the way that WeChat uh, works in, in China, which is both a, a social media platform, but also allows you to pay your bills or hire a cab or you know, do all kinds of other things. And his idea of a, an app that is for everything everywhere, I think, is probably in line with uh, his, his ambitions for X. The problem is this, okay. Um, Coke makes a drink. Um, you know, Oil of Olas makes a, a face cream. Twitter consists of the content that, that effectively its users create. And as a voracious Twitter user, I may never come to see it as X. And if you if you put it on the continuum of of my DMs being limited and my feed being limited and blue ticks being for sale and aggressive advertising and improper moderation, it simply feels like this is part of a process during which some rich asshole keeps taking stuff away from me, and with so many rivals eyeing up that market space, isn't there also a danger um, that a lot of people will say I'll you know, I'll post my videos and my um, funny memes somewhere else. There is, I think, a real danger. Uh, I think Twitter has become kind of part of our uh, shared mental landscape, uh, and it's a really powerful brand. I'm not a, a big user of Twitter, and I, I, I don't regard myself as um, particularly dexterous when it comes to um, social media, but I know all about it. And it has cut a really deep swathe, I think, in our psyches uh, in the West. However, there are some uh, downsides to, to Twitter, which I think Musk, in his more enlightened moments, would see as getting in his way. Uh, and, and some of that is a kind of slightly, well, the, the dichotomy between, on the one hand, Twitter being a bit nice and it's lovely and it's birds singing and, you know, spring days. Incidentally, birds singing on a spring day are saying, 
keep out of my sodding tree. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe he wants to get rid of some of that uh, and, and embrace some of the dark side of, of Twitter, which of which there is plenty to embrace. And having a rebrand away from Twitter, whether it's X or anything else, you know, to some extent starts to cut that away uh, from the brand and those associations. And it's not just a, a nice thing that maybe you let your kids go on if you want to. It becomes quite a, a dark um, shadow side brand to allow us quite dark expressions. I mean, some like the red pill on Reddit, there are some versions of this already out there. I can see that it gives, it gives a lot of people uh, potential to express things they, they would find difficult otherwise. And indeed, Twitter has that already. I think I know what you mean, that that white and black X looks quite austere. It looks quite militaristic in, in a weird way. It's not, it's not a welcoming um, place. It doesn't feel like a welcoming place. But, and, and although I accept everything you just said, I still cannot understand what the bar was for taking this enormous amount of money and just starting X and making that a success without the rancor that goes with destroying something that people quite liked. I would have thought that reputationally, it would be cheaper and probably have a better chance of success. Yeah, perhaps so. Although um, I can't think what it's called now, but the the, the Trump um, social media platform, he tried to do the same thing when he got kicked off Twitter. And it was really hard going, clearly. He didn't ever get the numbers, got nowhere near the numbers. Um, and mm. it exists still in a rudimentary form. I think the risk in, in um, the scenario you're describing is that um, Musk throws lots of money at it and it doesn't take off. And it is competing against Twitter, the, the original full fat version of Twitter, which has got its loyalists, um, mm. to swap people across from a, a platform which, to which they're very loyal uh, and, and we, in which they're embedded, I think would be have its own difficulties associated with it. Mm. Um, so perhaps it was simply a commercial um, decision to just buy the, buy the farm uh, and we'll make something of it rather than setting up the farm next door and you know, waiting for the trees to grow in a year and then planting it. You know, it, it's a long time uh, that, that that might take. So and that's without all the, the competition coming out of the woodwork with um, threads and even TikTok now, um, allowing messaging, pushing messaging. So maybe he just wanted to get on with it. He's a man in a hurry. Um, and as I said, you know, it is his brand very much to get out there and then knock it about a bit and see what happens. Going back to the brand aphorism that I began with, and I don't know if you agree with it or not, I guess an artist's signature is part of what makes the thing you buy valuable. So defacing that, you know, Twitter has entered the lexicon, um, as have the words tweet and retweeted. And, and, and there does feel like there is economic value in having established that, like a hell of a lot of it, which you're simply um, putting in the bin. That's, that's the bit that I don't understand, the business bit of it. I, I couldn't agree more. I think you're not alone in that analysis or that, that um, confusion in, in why he does what he does. <laughs> the, the, the image that's presented to us is this guy's a genius. He's made huge amounts of money doing things that none of us quite understand. 
Um, some of them like the kind of you know the boring company and things. We're still waiting for the, the fruits of his labor there. But still, we can we can see that, that it, it's it's like a really clever child um, suggesting things and going out and doing them. And I think that's really what what this is about too. It's about saying, yeah, I can do anything I like. Really, he is very very rich uh, and. He's taking a big hit on this, but he doesn't seem to care. So, are you, are you saying that we're trying to read, we're trying to read strategic vision into something that is the equivalent of an adolescent scratching Elon was here into his desk, basically? Yeah, I think perhaps even pre-adolescent, to be honest. <laughs> and, you know, that's not necessarily a terribly bad thing. I think the mistake that we often make as observers of these things is to think, oh, this guy's got a huge amount of money, he's made lots of money, he must be really clever. And often, you know, they're not, people are not um, by any means stupid, but they're very lucky as well to make lots of money. And we, we discount that element. They do it themselves. You know, if you talk to people who've made a lot of money, they, they hold forth as if they know everything about everything in the world. And you should, you're stupid if you don't listen to them. Actually, they've been really lucky to make the money uh, in most cases, and as has been shown in numerous studies of uh, people playing um, Wall Street and you know, stockbrokers, etc., and uh, London Exchange. They're not, they're not very clever people. They're just really lucky people. And the ones that aren't lucky don't survive. Do you know the Tesla E episode, um, which I think would lend quite a lot of support to what to what you're saying, because he wanted to issue a Tesla E and was prevented from doing so by Ford because they had decided they were going to name their entire electric vehicle decision Model E. Um, and they didn't want someone to put a trademark on that. And he spent an enormous amount of time and money on trying to make this happen. And it turns out it was purely because, and I quote, well, we have the S and the X, so we might as well make the E. So his thinking was literally that he just wanted the three generations of Tesla cars to spell the word sex. Yes, indeed. I think he's got a Y, model Y as well, so it's sexy. <laughs> the guy is a child, really, in, in a man's body, I think. <laughs> Right. Let's let's wrap this up. You you wrote on this rebranding um, for the conversation, and you say that sometimes a fire doesn't give you a phoenix; instead, it just gives you ashes. Which way do you think Twitter come X is heading? Go on, give us your best crystal ball prediction. I honestly think that he will make this work. I think there is darker side to it now. And, and less of the um, entertainment value that went with Twitter. But I think he has enough resource um, and enough people that will back him uh, to just simply make it work. I think it will be a diminished version of what Twitter was in its heyday. But over time, you know, things change, um, society changes, and that's, that's unpredictable. You know, three years out, nobody can predict anything anymore. Um, but I think this will this will um, be a, a good, solid foundation for him to build what he wants to build, which is the the WeChat uh, version, mm. and that will that will make it um, commercially viable at that point. It won't be what we've, we've had in the past. It won't be 
won't have any cuteness about it in the way that Twitter did, and tweeting will be something consigned to history, I'm afraid. I'm not sure what we'll end up calling it. I don't think... Xing? Are you all my exes now? I, I, I don't think we have a word for it yet, but of course what happens is either someone comes along and in a design company, um, like a perfect curve on W1A, they come up with all these things and people are like, what the hell is that? Or we allow the public to um, form their own opinions. And I think it will, you know, the right version will come along and people will adopt it. Um, so, you know, I hope it won't be Boatman book face, but you never know. Um, you can't always trust the public about these things. Leslie Hallam, thank you so much for a fascinating chat. Thanks, Alex. Remember, there's a new bunker pretty much every day. So if you like our work, you can and should support our work. You can do so for as little as £3 a month on the funding platform Patreon. Just search Bunker Podcast Patreon. Early on in his career, Musk talked about branding. Brand is just a perception, he said, and perception will match reality over time. Sometimes it will be ahead, other times it will be behind. But brand is simply a collective impression. So maybe there is deeper significance to this. Then again, he also said, if aliens built the pyramids, they would have left a computer behind or something. So maybe there isn't. This is Alex Andreu in the bunker saying over and out. The Bunker Daily was presented by Alex Andreu. The group editor was Andrew Harrison, the managing editor was Jacob Jarvis, and the producers were Liam Tate and me, Alex Reese. Art direction by James Parrott, music by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a podcast production. Bunker.